that we would uh, basically take different subjects. And tonight we, uh, we get to another one. Uh, originally, I was looking at verse 16 in Proverbs chapter 10, which says, The labor of the righteous tendeth to life, the fruit of the wicked to sin. And there is a wonderful contrast uh, found between the righteous and the wicked. And uh, that actually may be the next study. But before we get there, um, uh, as I actually was preparing some things in verse 16 about the righteous and the wicked and preparing a study for that and going that direction, um, just happened to read the verse before it and realized that there is another subject that is important that needs to be dealt with. And uh, it's a subject that uh, in, our, in our day, uh, people need to know and need, need to understand. It's the subject of money. And so we're going to have, uh, we're going to give you some priceless money principles, all right? You need financial advice? Uh, you know, everyone can use a little bit of that, a little bit of that. Many people in our day do need financial advice. And some people look to people like Dave Ramsey to give them answers. And some go, answers, yes. Wow. That was a good one. Okay. Uh, make some antsy. All right. So some great, go to a great deal of expense to attend seminars, if I can get my words out, and learn keys to financial freedom. And those are good things. I'm not seeking to make fun of them in any way. Um, some people have gotten themselves in financial trouble. They're looking for a way out. Some people are starting out and they want to have some guidance in regard to the matter of finances. And these are wise things. So I, I don't seek to be critical of anyone that's seeking answers when it comes to the matter of money. But financial wisdom is found in what God says in his word. And God has a lot to say about the matter of money. And Proverbs is a great source of biblical instruction. Now, the New Testament has a lot to say about money, and the Old Testament does as well. But Proverbs is perhaps uh, the, uh, if you would say, the, the, the book that has the most to say about the money matters. And so we're going to look at that subject and uh, learn some financial principles. Look, Ramsey Solutions does have some good principles and helps for life. In fact, uh, many of them would be based on Bible truth, not seeking to uh, uh, again, uh, minimize or say these things are unimportant or unvaluable. But I'll tell you what, uh, Dave Ramsey isn't the final word on financial wisdom. God is. And, uh, and whatever a man says about finances, if it disagrees with God, he's wrong. And God has a lot to say about this matter. So since God is the final word and God has spoken at great length in the book of Proverbs, I'd like to look at uh, what God says about the matter of money. We see uh, riches and poverty basically brought out in verse 15. And uh, it isn't really the key verse. There are many key verses throughout uh, the scripture that talk about money. But uh, verse 15 does say this, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Now that verse probably won't be mentioned again in this first message. Did you hear me say first message? Because there will probably be a couple. But right for this evening, we're going to begin looking at uh, seven priceless money principles. Important things that you need to know and you need to understand. And volunteers again. It is a good night for volunteers. Thank you very much, gentlemen. 
So now, if you would, turn to Proverbs chapter 22, because although that was a kicking off point and just a verse that does mention rich and poor, uh, it was interesting to go through and begin to study that subject in, in the book of Proverbs to look at the words rich and poor and uh, look at the word wealth and other things. Uh, gain would be another term that you could look up and find that there were a number of Bible verses, some 50 Bible verses, I believe, that deal with rich or riches or wealth or, or um, uh, uh, finances, uh, poverty or poor. Uh, it's found some 30 times. I think there are 12 verses where you find the rich and poor compared, or uh, both those terms are found in the same verse and teach us lessons in the matter of giving. And, the, and not the matter of giving, but the matter of finances. And by the way, let me say this, since I brought that subject up myself, which I didn't necessarily intend to, God has a lot more to say about money than giving. In fact, uh, we're not even going to see in the book of Proverbs, at least tonight in, our, in these seven principles we give, that God teaches about giving in the book of Proverbs. That doesn't mean that he ignores it. In fact, it is suggested in a few different places, and it may be in another message on this subject of finances. No, not for a later, well, I guess it will be a later time because it's not in this message. We are going to probably uh, have a couple messages on this matter of money since there's a lot said in Scripture. But let's begin. Uh, actually, uh, something that might be a little bit uh, different, something maybe you've never heard before. Uh, but the first principle I'd like you to see is found in chapter 22 and in verse 2. Uh, it's one that actually I had never really considered before, nor do I believe I've ever brought it out in a message before. But the Bible says this, the rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Never really thought about that proverb all that much, but it actually is a very important financial principle, or at least the truth about the finances. So let me give it to the, this way. The rich and poor are both part of God's plan for life. I want you to think this one through with me. I'm going to take a little bit of time, I know, but I'm going to do that anyway because I think you need to understand this first. The rich and the poor are both part of God's plan for life. I can tell you this assuredly. I've read books from financial advisors. Ron Blue was one that I spent time uh, reading from. I have also uh, read uh, materials from, Ron Blue was, uh, was early, um, uh, uh oh, I can't, his name just left me. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I've read, well, let's just say I've read books, okay? A number of books from financial advisors. And I, boy, his name just left me because it was one that uh, impacted Dave Ramsey as well. Um, someone's going to help me with that. Uh, no, no one is. Larry Burkett. Thank you very much. I knew there was another name in there uh, who wrote a number of money principles and guidelines in the matter of finances. But you know what? I have never read a financial advisor who said this. It's okay to be poor. But God says that in this verse. I have never met a financial advisor that says, well, you know what? God's plan for some people is that they be poor. All of them will tell you, God wants you to be wealthy. All of the, all the, all the wealth and health preachers will also tell you the same. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be rich. That is a lie. And it's not found in the Bible. In fact, this principle is one that denies that. God says, rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker 
of them all. In the grand scheme of life, God has said very clearly that by his design, some people are poor. It's also by his design that some people are rich. God never designed for everyone to either be middle class or everyone to be rich or everyone to be poor. God's plan in, for life is both rich and poor. Now, it would also be shocking to hear, I think, someone to say, we need poor people. But notice again what God says, the rich and poor meet together. What was he saying? One writer put it this way, and I think he worded it well, so listen if you would. The world doth not consist all of rich nor all of poor, but they are mixed together and have need one of another and will agree well and not clash one against another. If they both consider that there is one Lord who is the creator of both and hath by his providence ordered their inequality for their mutual good. Salmon understood something that no financial man will ever tell his customers. And it is this, that some are poor by God's design. And some are wealthy by God's design. And some cannot and will not change that. Wow, you haven't heard that. You haven't heard that many times from a pulpit either. But it's true. And what God also says in this verse is that the rich might think they don't need the poor. And the poor might think they can get away along without the rich. <laughs> which, which the Democrats are telling you all the time. But the truth of the matter is both are needed. And both are important. And both have a role in life. Look, the rich might think they don't need the poor, but how do you think they get rich? It's because they have people who aren't rich who are working for a living and producing what they have designed or what they have planned or what they have invested in or what they have provided. And so if it weren't for the poor, they wouldn't be rich. Or many times the poor may have to buy their products and so the rich need the poor. But you know what's also true is the poor need the rich. You see, if there were no rich people, there would be no businesses. There would be no one to provide opportunities for someone to work in order to provide a living to take care of their family. So the poor need the rich. And God says that in this verse. And the rich need the poor. And both are part of God's design, God's grand design, God's amazing design, God's wonderful design for life. So rich need to remember they need the poor. Not to keep people poor, but they need the poor to have financial success. The poor shouldn't despise the rich either because they need the rich to build companies that they might work and provide. Someone explained it this way, that this verse describes the oneness of humanity, that we all need one another. And it's part of God's plan. So let me bring out two things that in our day uh, are, are, would not be things that you'd necessarily hear people say, especially from pulpit or getting up and speaking in financial matters. Uh, you'd never hear government leaders say this. There is nothing, number one, there's nothing shameful in being a financial success as long 
as it is obtained biblically. There's nothing shameful in being a financial success. You say, well, there's nothing shameful in that. Well, I'll tell you what, the way, the way leaders get up and talk about the rich today, um, it does seem like they want to embarrass those who have wealth and give you the impression that someone who has wealth has done something wrong. That's not true. Necessarily. There are evil, unbiblical ways to obtain wealth. I'm not denying that. Such is condemned by God. But one should never be made to feel like they've done wrong when they walk away from investment with money in their pocket. Nor should they feel obligated to give it all away like some think the rich should do. Those that don't have usually are the ones who think the rich should do that. While those who do have riches in the New Testament are encouraged to be rich in giving, and that's another principle, and we don't have time to go there, and we're not intending to go there, please understand that this passage doesn't condemn someone who's rich. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Um, now, I'm going to say it again. Our government today exists by creating class warfare, and they are evil in what they're doing. They create class warfare in a lot of ways. They create class warfare between the color of people's skin, and that is wicked. It is godless. It is of the devil. And when people do that, they should be called on the carpet. But that's what's going on, and it's going on all the time. And, and it goes on with, the, with people who want to push black lives matter or police lives matter or white lives matter. It, all lives matter. And you make that statement and you're criticized. But the truth is, class warfare is what they're all about. And that's how they, that's how they win votes. Now look, they do the same in the matter of finances. You'll often hear rich politicians, and they are rich, say this. The rich should pay their fair share. Uh, they promise to make them pay, and they promise to raise their taxes, and they promise the poor of the world. They demonize those who have riches. Uh, they, they also criticize conservative uh, politicians, say that they make laws favoring the rich because, they, uh, because conservatives will try to encourage business growth and industry. You see, there's some people who treat the rich as if they're evil, sinful people because they are a success. Now, again, some acquire wealth dishonestly, but a great majority of wealthy people are such, and I'm not one of them, okay? But a great majority of those who are wealthy people have gotten there because they made sacrifices, because they invested, because God gave them a great mind, and they used it. And as a result, they've had success from that. And wow, there's a lot of lessons to be learned and said about this. But it is, uh, it is a sad day when someone criticizes someone for being a success that God has allowed them to be. There's nothing shameful in having what God has provided, as long as it's acquired biblically, correctly, without violating Scripture. Um, and, and I'll tell you, it is evil to say that someone... By the way, when someone says their fair share, have you, do you know what's going on when they say that? It's not their fair share. You do understand that, don't you? 
There are different levels already that people pay percentage-wise as far as their income is concerned. Those on the low end are what, 15%? Isn't it? Or something like that, whatever. Well, nothing, okay. They get money back, all right. Um, and then you have, what, 15%? Isn't it 33 is the next? I don't even know. Someone's going to go through and correct me for all those things. There are different levels. The more you make, the more you already pay. It's an amazing thing. And yet they're expected to pay their fair share. What would be a fair share? If everyone paid the same percentage across the board. So whatever you make, you're paying more because that would be a fair share. I still have yet for anyone in the media to question why, why they believe fair share is a higher percentage when a fair share would be paying the same percentage, everyone paying 15%. Uh, okay, that was free. I don't even know how I got it because that's one of those rabbit trails you can get off on. But here's the truth, and you need to understand this. God makes the rich, and it's not sinful to be rich as long as you've come by it in a proper biblical manner and you should never be ashamed of that all right second thing though and the second truth is this there's nothing shameful about lacking financial success there's nothing shameful about lacking financial success as long as it doesn't come because of sinful practices you say well what do you mean by that well god doesn't excuse lazy people God talks about the sluggard a number of times. And we dealt with the lazy person in chapter 10. I think it's in verse 4, which actually talks about the matter of finances. And it may be brought up later on. God does not excuse the sluggard in any way. God says some are poor because they've chosen that path for their, for their life. And it's important that we discern that because the truly poor people are to be helped. But not those who can help themselves and aren't willing to who sit at home and do nothing and want a welfare check. God never intended for that. But by God's design, here's the truth. Some don't have the innovative mind or the great education or training or special ability that allows them to, if you would, climb up the financial ladder. Some people are just good workers who by the sweat of their brow take care of and provide for their financial needs and they don't have any more. And there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, living for riches is sinful. So look, in the grand scheme of things, God has designed in this world both the rich and the poor. So find out what you're supposed to be. Here's, here's the truth. Just understand that both have a place in God's design. And don't envy the rich if you happen to not be in that capacity. Um, by the way, sometimes even, believe it or not, the rich can envy the poor because there's pressures that come with riches, believe it or not. It's always amazing how the poor look at the rich and say, wow, I wish I had that. When in reality, in some cases, the rich look at the poor and say, wow, I wish I had it like that. Life was a lot easier when I didn't have to make all the decisions I have to make now. You say, oh, oh give me a chance. Okay, maybe, maybe you feel that way. But just understand that God in his design has planned for both. And that's an interesting principle that applies in every area of life. Look, 
God has a design for every area of life. And, and we could go off on that subject, really spending a lot of time on it. Feminism is wrong. It's wicked. It's evil. It is not of God. The mentality that, that a woman can do anything a man can do. You know, I still have yet to hear men say, well, a man can do anything a woman can do. They don't want to. So here's the truth. Why would a woman want to do everything that a man does? And the sports world and everything else proves all the time that we're different. There aren't any ladies that are made professional basketball team. Is it because women can't play basketball? No. They're different. God designed it that way. In God's plan, rich and poor, and many other areas of life, man and woman. And there are. There are, there are only two genders. God made them, male and female. Amazed that we even have to say that from the pulpit. Um, and it was decided before you were born, you don't decide after. It was decided for you by God. Rejoice in it and live according to it. Wow, that was free. That was another free thing. Boy, we're, we're really off on rabbit trails this evening. But um, quite honestly, ver chapter 22 and verse 2 brings out a principle that many times is forsaken, whether it's in finances or whether it's just in life in general. God has designed distinction and differences in men and women and money and having money and not having money in many different areas of life, and it works. And when people get out of the realm they're supposed to be in, that's when trouble happens. When men try to, women try to be like men and men try to be like women. It's abnormal. It's not right. When people try live for finances and live for money and live to be rich, when they just need to learn to work and be diligent and stop trying to win the lottery so they don't have to work anymore. Um, just fulfilling your role. I, I always think of my father-in-law. He's not a rich man by any standard. He has come by the money he has through hard work and discipline. He's a good worker, a very good worker. And, uh, and it's amazing what he's done. He's never been ashamed of doing jobs that a lot of people wouldn't do. And that's admirable. And that's consistent with this Bible truth. The rich and the poor meet together. They're both important in God's plan. The Lord is the maker of them both. So live in light of that. If God's blessed you with finances, use them for the glory of God and follow God's, God's word and rejoice in the fact that he's given you the ability to make it. If God has, has designed for you to be poor, then rejoice in that and live with the finances God has given and be wise with them. And follow God's plan. Because God does have a plan for your life in finances. Second truth, and here's where we're going to pick up next time. Get your priorities straight. Great principles. Get your priorities straight. And we're going to give you what your priorities should be. What's most important? If God makes it as simple as the rich and poor meet together and God just designed both, then in whatever realm you find yourself, wherever you find yourself, 
Be content and follow God's plan. That really is it. And do the best with what God has given you. And then make sure you keep your priorities straight when it comes to money. And we're going to find, I'll give you the first one and we'll look it up and begin there next week. Wisdom is more valuable than riches. And we're going to find a number of other things that are more valuable than riches as well. And that is a, a truth that many people just don't understand. There's a lot of things that are more valuable than having a lot of money. And we'll look at those things next week. So getting our priorities straight. Priceless money principles. Important things that we need to know. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand what you said about money and about finances. And I pray, Lord, that, that we would have a right attitude. First, that we would understand, because we're hearing on a con consistent basis, uh, the, the denigration of people that have made it financially. And because sometimes we've even heard people saying that God never intended for folks to be poor, that we have such a messed up mentality and, and idea and thinking about money today, help us to come to your understanding of finances and, uh, and appreciate what you've called us to and what you've given to us. And may we use it for your glory and understand the proper perspective toward money. And I'll thank you for what you'll do and how you'll help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you please him with the money he's given you. You're dismissed.